Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts 15. Acts chapter 15. We're going to begin in verse 36. As you're turning there, do be in prayer for our worship director. Um, He uh, he's got a he's got a messed up back. (laughs) Um, I I think it's a slip disc. Um, I can check my text messages to be accurate, but um, he texted us. Was it yesterday? Day before yesterday and wasn't able to make it. Um, And so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for him. He makes the service go uh, go very smoothly. Um, Wesley is is uh, vital (laughs) for me in this church. And so I'm very thankful for him. But I'm also thankful for these guys who are able to fill in pretty quick at last minute. They came in this morning. Piper, thank you so much for playing for us. That's the first time of having her up here playing for us. And hopefully we'll get her up here more. Um, And so uh, Leto and Trey, always good to help fill in. And so be in prayer for him. Also, you know we have a lot of babies and children in the the congregation. Uh, It's going to get loud probably. If it does, I'll get louder, right? It's a blessing, right? And if you don't like it, you can go to the nursery. nursery. (laughs) Uh, No, I mean that with a grace. I love y'all. But... uh, but no, like this is, it's, it's a blessing to have the children, the, the, the babies, it really is. And so if they start getting squirmy, that's who they are. That's what they do. They're squirmy. But it's a blessing to have them here. That's, that's the church of today, but it's, it's the future of what we're going to see. If we want to be on the map in 10, 15, 20 years, we need to love these children, man. So it's definitely a blessing. All right. Acts 15, verse 36. If you're there, say word. Awesome. I love that. So go ahead and stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. We're just going to read 36 through 41. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with him one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Let's pray. Father God, we are thankful for your word. Help us to see the truth, the gospel, the promises that you have for us in this. We ask this in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Title of my message this morning is Conflict in the Church. Conflict in the Church. Now, conflict is inevitable. Am I right? We are going to experience Conflict. Let me get the sermon up for you. Here we go. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It's called Conflict and Grace. There it is. I don't even know the sermon that I'm preaching. No, Conflict and Grace. I changed it earlier. Conflict is inevitable. We're going to experience it no matter where we are, no matter where we live, 
We're going to experience it in our marriages. We're going to experience it in our jobs. We're going to experience it in our families. We're going to experience it in the church. Even, even brothers in the gospel, even brothers and sisters in the gospel are going to experience conflict. That's going to happen. All right. Now, I've been here for five years and I have not experienced one bit of, one bit of conflict here at Red Cross. <laughs> no, conflict is inevitable. It's going to happen. And we see here, even among brothers, Paul and Barnabas, who just went on a trip together, a missionary journey, went and preached to several churches, had each other's backs. When Paul was stoned, Barnabas was there. Barnabas, who, who, who had Paul's back when the disciples didn't even want, to, want anything to do with him. And then here they have what verse 39 calls a sharp disagreement. And they end up separating ways. Now the main idea that I have for you this morning is this. A Christian faces conflict with Christ-likeness. A Christian faces conflict with Christ-likeness. Now if... 2020 and the first quarter of 2021 has taught us anything. It's we're going to have conflict. The church is experiencing conflict with the world. But guess what, church? This isn't new. The books of Acts, the books, the book of Acts has shown us that the church has from the very beginning had conflict with the world. The world hates the church. The church stands for everything the world does not stand for. The church stands against a lot of what the world stands for. And here in the world we live in today, we, we Bible-believing Christians who stand firm on what the Word says are being called bigots, hateful. I mean, there are people that are trying to shut down churches because they're calling it hate speech. Now, are there churches out there that do have hate speech? Absolutely. I've heard of racist churches. I've heard of churches that will not allow somebody of a different color to walk through their doors. That is a hateful church. But today, we're looking at conflict in grace. How do we handle conflict? How, how, how do we handle it when it comes? One thing that I do in premarital counseling is I try to show the couple that is about to get married how to actually argue. Because for some reason, we don't know how to argue. We want to call names or we want to bring up the past. Conflict is inevitable. And here with Paul and Barnabas, we can learn a lot from this encounter of conflict. We really can. So a Christian faces conflict with Christ's likeness. And how I want to do this, I want to break this passage down looking at three different characters. So first, let's look at the heart of Barnabas. Let's look at the heart of Barnabas. Paul approaches Barnabas and tells him, hey man, I want, to, I want us to go back to the churches that we just planted. 
The people who just got saved and the churches that just got started, I want us to go back and see how they are. They don't have social media. They don't have church Facebook pages where they get to share how good things are. They don't have text message and phone calls. They have letters, but that takes a while. And so one of the best ways that Paul sees to go and see how things are is to travel there. But it's not just to check up on them. Paul sees an importance of discipleship. I want to see how these churches are. So Barnabas and Paul are like, okay. And then Barnabas says, I want to take John Mark. Now for a little bit of background, John Mark is Barnabas' cousin. You don't mess with family, right? Family comes first. Barnabas wants to take John Mark. John Mark came about earlier, just a few chapters earlier, and he left in the middle of the first missionary journey. He left in Pamphylia. He left Paul and Barnabas hanging. And one of the, one of the reasons that we think, that scholars think, that he did this was he saw the weight of ministry. He saw the threats that Paul and Barnabas were, were receiving, the threats on their lives. And then, and then John Mark was like, I'm out. Y'all have fun. This ain't for me. So Barnabas says, I want to bring John Mark. Paul says, I don't think that's a good idea. It's not that Paul has a grudge. Paul's being strategic here. But here we see the heart of Barnabas. In the middle of this conflict, we see the heart of Barnabas. How? First, we see, we see his kindness. Barnabas is a kind person. Barnabas loves anybody and everybody. I think Barnabas is the kind of person that will get along with anybody that comes up. That's who I think Barnabas is. And he's kind. And what he's doing here within this, within this conflict with Paul, he's, he's showing his kind nature by wanting to bring John Mark in. Now, church, let me tell you, in the midst of our conflicts, are we kind to people? I'm sure Barnabas is being kind to Paul. It's not like Barnabas is yelling at him or cursing him out. No, I think I'm pretty sure Barnabas is being very kind here. Husbands, are we kind to our wives when we argue with them? I'm going to tell you a story that I shared with our small group a couple weeks back. My wife wanted to leave me my first year of marriage. She told my mom. She wants out. I wasn't very kind. We argued a lot. I was very immature. We got married young. I was 21. She was 20. And I treated her harshly. I wasn't physically abusive, but we yelled. I yelled. She wanted out. I wasn't kind. It's only by God's grace. Only by God's grace that this September we're going to be celebrating 12 years. I had to change. I had to truly come to Christ. I had to truly repent. I had to truly see the grace of God in my life. So husbands, are we kind to our wives? Wives, are we kind to our husbands? My wife, she's little, but she can, she can bring me to my knees real quick. 
kindness in the midst of conflict. Why? Why should we be kind in the midst of conflict? Wasn't Christ kind to you? Romans shows us that we were enemies. And yet Christ still died for us. The rebellious nature we had towards God. We wanted to live our own lives. Our own way. Smiling on the way to hell. But Christ was kind enough. I know it sounds maybe a little belittling to say something like that. But he was kind enough to walk to the cross on our behalf. I read somewhere that. Kindness is compassion in action. Kindness is compassion in action. Barnabas has compassion for John Mark here. And he wants to see John Mark start over. uh, Give him another chance. And he's showing this kindness towards Paul by not yelling, by not getting heated, by not having this unchristlike conversation. Man, let me tell you, people in the church, people in the church can be so unchristlike, they're not kind. Christians, church people, they can be mean and say hurtful things. I think one in ten pastors retire out of ministry. Or are faithful through their rest of their lives with ministry? One in ten? And a lot of the, most of the reasons is because they're unfaithful. They're sin. But other people are just hurt by church. Kindness. Your co-workers, kindness. Come on. Conflict. We need to be kind within our conflict. We see that with Barnabas. Second. Second. We express Grace. We see the heart of Barnabas, his graciousness. He sees John Mark and he wants to give John Mark a second chance. And Paul has experienced the graciousness of Barnabas. Acts 9, the disciples wanted nothing to do with Paul. Paul comes up and says, guys, I've been been changed and transformed. I've been saved by the gospel. Jesus has come to me. This is after Paul has been ravaging the church according to Acts 9. Seeking Christians to kill. The disciples want nothing to do with him. They're thinking he's a double agent. He's trying to infiltrate us. He's going to send word back to the Roman government. We're in trouble. Pharisees, they're they're, they're sending out spies now. I mean, I, I really think that's what the disciples were thinking there. But Barnabas in Acts 9, Barnabas comes up and he has Paul's back. He's gracious. He's gracious. I told you first year of our marriage was very rocky. Um, and I've shared that testimony with people in this church. Um, first year of, of our marriage was very, very rocky. If it wasn't for my wife's gracious heart, we wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for my wife's gracious heart, I wouldn't have two Beautiful boys up there. My wife expressed a heart of Barnabas in the midst of our conflict. Because even though she was 
ready to throw in the towel. She, she tried to stand by. In the midst of conflict, we need to have a gracious heart towards people. We're not going to see eye to eye. I mean, we, we're looking at Paul and Barnabas here. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't think either one of them is wrong in this situation. I don't think either one of them is in sin in this situation. Barnabas is expressing a gracious heart. Wanting to see John Mark step in. Give him a second chance. Christ expressed his grace towards us. And that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Christ expressed his grace for us in John 13, 1, when he says he loved them till the end. When the disciples abandoned him, he continued walking to the cross. He expressed his grace in the conflict that we have towards God. There's, there, before Christ, y'all do know, there's conflict between us and God. He's a holy and righteous God. We are sinful and rebellious and we can have nothing to do with him because our sin has created a barrier. Isaiah 39 created a barrier to where he's hidden his face from us. But Barnabas expresses grace here. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So not only should we see the gracious heart of Barnabas, the gracious heart of Christ, we need that gracious heart. If you want to see Red Cross Baptist Church still on the map in 10, 15, 20 years, we need to have gracious hearts toward each other. We need to be quick to forgive. Because Christ forgave us. Colossians 3, 12 through 13, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against, against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Christians handle conflict. With Christ-likeness. We are to have a gracious nature. And a kind nature. So we looked at the heart of Barnabas. Let's look at the second thing. The faithfulness of Paul. Alright we see, we see Barnabas' side. He wants to give his cousin a second chance. He wants to see his cousin make a difference. His cousin's probably expressed to Barnabas, hey, I've seen what God's done through y'all. I want to be a part of that. Paul, verse 38, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Now, Paul's not holding a grudge, okay? Paul's not saying, I can't stand that guy. I cannot believe he left us two years ago in Pamphylia. Spouses, when you, when you argue, don't bring up the past. Don't bring up the past. 
It's the worst thing we can do in the middle of conflict is remind each other of how bad of a person you were a couple weeks ago or a couple years ago. Don't bring up the past. Paul's not doing that here. Paul is strategically thinking it is not best to bring John Mark just yet. We do that in the church when we have deacon nominations. The deacons and I sit down and we go through these names. And then we actually sit there and we, we pray, we talk, and we consider, are they ready? Is it time? Boyfriends, girlfriends, I hope you do that with the person you marry. <laughs> are they ready? <laughs> Is it time? <laughs> we see the faithfulness of Paul here. How? How do we see the faithfulness of Paul? Well, first, we see his conviction. Let me tell you something, church. We are in conflict with the world. The church needs to stand on their convictions. Paul is standing here on his conviction. His conviction is that John Mark is not ready. His conviction is that it's not best to bring him right now. His conviction is also probably thinking these churches don't know this guy that we're bringing. Might not be best to bring him. He's standing on these convictions and he's standing firm. I don't know if you've seen the the musical on Disney Plus, Hamilton. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, I'm I'm, I'm a fan. There's one line and it's at the very beginning when Alexander Hamilton makes a stand against Aaron Burr. And he says, if you'll stand for nothing, Burr, what will you fall for? Now, some of you are starting to sing that song, right? If you stand for nothing, what will you fall for? Paul is standing for what he believes is right. And here we see that, hear this. We should never allow our emotions to overcome our convictions. In the midst of conflict, we should never allow our emotions to overcome our convictions. What are we convicted by, church? This. God's word. We stand firm on it. And we believe every word that this book says. And if we don't believe every word that this book says, how can you trust it? Our conviction is on the word of God. When Martin Luther was confronted to recant all that he had said and written and done. He says, I cannot. I am bound by this word. I. I stand here. We need to be bound by this word. We need to stand for what we believe. Church, I'm going to tell you, man, it is going to get harder. Can I just be honest? It is going to get harder. There are going to be repercussions for being a Bible-believing church. If you don't believe me, it's already happening in Canada. China. India, Middle East. It's happening across the world. Pastors are being imprisoned for holding church services. But they stand on their convictions. James Coates up up in Canada just got out of prison for holding a church service. 
Because he believes Hebrews do not forsake the gathering of saints. He believes that is a command, which I do too. It is a command to gather as a church body. And the government said, we're not going to have it. So they arrest James Coates. He gets out of prison just a few months later. And then what does the Canadian government do? They put up fences around their building. The government puts up fences around their building to where they can't gather in that building. Thank God that the church is not a building. We don't need a building to gather. We must stand on our convictions. Paul's doing that here. We must express that conviction. And secondly, we see Paul not only having conviction, but dedication. What is his dedication? His dedication is to see the ministry of God to be brought about. His his dedication is, is, is to be on the mission field to spread the gospel. His dedication is to the people of God for the sake of the gospel of God. His dedication is is to the word, to discipleship. He wants to get back to the brothers in every city where they planted these churches to see how they're doing. To make discipleship a priority. And because that's his dedication, he strongly believes it might not be a good idea to allow John Mark to go. Again, he's not expressing any type of agitation towards him. Sometimes you're going to hear me tell you it might not be a good idea for you to do that. I will especially say it to you with your sin, but in regards to maybe leading a certain ministry, teaching a Sunday school class, singing on stage, anything like that, you may hear me say, I don't think it's the right time. And it's only because I'm dedicated to the best that this church can have. I'm not talking about talent. I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about faithfulness. I want to see this church grow, not numerically. That'd be amazing. We've seen it happen just this past year, which has been amazing. But I want to see this church grow spiritually. I'm not saying this to express any type of arrogance or cockiness. I've been here five years. I'm not going anywhere. I have no plans to go anywhere. I want to see God work at Red Cross Baptist Church. I want to see people discipled. I want to see people holy and obedient to God's word. I want to see men raised in this church to preach God's word. We're already seeing that. I want to see a faithful group of people follow God's word. That's my dedication. But I cannot do that unless you're dedicated to seeing that as well. We're going to have conflict. You're not going to agree with me on everything. That's okay. I'm right. You're wrong. That's fine. No, there are there are different areas in which we can disagree. But there are certain areas where we cannot disagree. We cannot disagree on the deity of Christ. We cannot disagree on the Trinitarian God. We cannot disagree on the inerrant, infallible word of God. 
We cannot disagree on our view of missions. We cannot disagree that evangelism is necessary for people to come to know Jesus Christ. We cannot disagree on those areas. But there are other areas we could disagree on. Me and Adam, we disagree on Holy Saturday. Right, Adam? And a few other things, too. But I love that boy. And I'm thankful for him. Me and Leto, we agree more than me and, me and Adam do. But I love him, too. We need to be dedicated. All right, there's one more character I want to I look at, and then we're going to close out. There's one, one more character. Let's look at the third one. Let's look at the sovereignty of God. All right, so this, this issue of conflict ended up coming about to where Paul and Barnabas need to make parting ways. This does not give any credibility to church splits. This does not give any credibility to divorces. All right? But we do see that God does work through conflict. A lot of people come to know Christ through conflict in their lives. Churches grow through conflict. I've seen it. But church, we see that Paul takes Silas with him and they go and go to Syria and Cilicia. We see that Barnabas takes John Mark with him and they go to Cyprus. Does it mean that they failed? No. It just means that God had different plans for them. Paul had planned to take Barnabas with him on his second missionary journey. God said, you know what? I've got something better. God works through our conflict. Do you see that? God's purposes are accomplished through our conflict. Why? John Mark goes off with Barnabas. We see later in Scripture, we see in Timothy, Colossians, we see that Paul comes to really appreciate John Mark. Paul tells Timothy at the end of 2 Timothy to, to make sure John Mark comes to him because he is valuable in ministry. Isn't that amazing? To see God work through a man like that. We see Silas goes off and Silas does a faithful ministry with Paul. We see them two going off in their second missionary journey. This is where we're going next. What we see with God being sovereign is that he has turned one missionary opportunity into two. And we need to see that even though this might not end how we would want it to. We probably want the brotherhood of Paul and Barnabas to stay two, together. They don't separate being hateful towards each other. They don't. Paul talks later in his letters about how Barnabas is a faithful follower of Christ. Paul brings up Barnabas and loves Barnabas. There's no like we're done. It was more like, we have different philosophies. Why don't we go our separate ways? We trust God. We trust God in the midst of our conflict. 
We trust God that no matter what happens, no matter how the conflict turns out, we trust that he's working in it. Romans 8, for God works out all things, all things, all things for our good and his glory. He works out all things for his purposes and promises. So you might be here this morning and you're going through a conflict. Will you first of all trust God in this situation? God who will give you the grace, the strength to overcome it. Will you also stand on your convictions? I pray they are biblical. Stand on them if they're biblical. And will you have a heart of Barnabas? Will you be kind and gracious within this conflict? Spouses, this is good for you. Employees, this is good for you. Church members, you better listen. This is really good for you. Because if we don't have a heart of Barnabas... If we don't have a faithfulness of Paul, and if we don't trust in the sovereignty of God, we won't make it. We'll tear each other apart. We need unity. We do. Especially in a world that is so divided. Church, it is through our conflict with God in which God sends His own Son to be the mediator of that conflict. His own Son to be the payment. His own Son to suffer so that we may be reconciled. So that we may be brought back to Him. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe you are here and you have been in conflict with God for years or your entire life. We trust in Christ today. The Bible tells us that if anyone confesses Jesus as Lord, they will be saved. They will be saved. He is Lord. Maybe you're dealing with a conflict this morning. Maybe you're, you and your spouse have had it out. Will you have the heart of Barnabas and the faithfulness of Christ to reconcile and come back together? I love the picture of marriage. I think Matt Chandler said marriage is I've seen the ugliness and I'm staying. Marriage is a picture of two imperfect people coming together. Two sinful people coming together. And Christian marriage is a picture of two people who have found faith and forgiveness in Jesus Christ and coming together and being willing to forgive the nastiness. If Christ has forgiven you of your horrible sins, surely you can forgive your spouse. Maybe you are here this morning and you have conflict with a brother or a sister. Maybe you're struggling because you and a friend have had it out. Will you be the one to step up and go to them? With a kind and gracious heart? Would you be the one to seek reconciliation with them? If Christ is able 
to pay the payment so that you may be reconciled to a holy God, we can be reconciled to each other. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would work within this room. I don't know if anybody in here needed to hear that, Lord, but we know that you are sovereign, you are in control, and you work out all things for our good and your glory. And There's a reason why we came across that text. It was the next text, but we trust your sovereign work. And so, Lord, I pray that you're working within this room, that you're providing reconciliation, that you are transforming hearts, God, so that we do not leave here unchanged. God, I pray that you would help us to have the heart of Barnabas, a heart that is kind and gracious. Pray that you would help us as believers in the midst of a, of a conflict within our world or a conflict among other people, that you would help us to be faithful, to stand on our convictions and to be dedicated to your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to trust in your sovereign will, that you are working out all things, that conflict is being used for your glory and our good, and that we should trust you. So God, I pray that you would help us this morning. Help us to see the beauty of Christ who reached out and died on the cross for our sin in the middle of our conflict with you. God, we are thankful for your reconciliation. Thankful for the grace and the kindness that you showed us through your son. God, I pray that we would rest in that this morning. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.